Your body, in cooperation with your mind and spirit, is marvelously blessed with miraculous self-healing abilities. The three together, body, mind, and spirit, cooperate to produce the most profound medicine ever known in the human race, right within you, wrote Roger Jenke, author of The Healer Within. Welcome. This is Leah Bales, your host for the Soul Big Life Show. Today, we continue our series, Activate Your Inner Healer. Hey, welcome. This is Leah Bales. I'm so glad you're here with us today. This is part three of Activate Your Inner Healer. Today, we're talking about befriend your brilliant body mind. Nietzsche wrote, there is more wisdom in your body than in your deepest philosophy. There is more wisdom in your body than in your deepest philosophy. In this whole series, we've been talking about how do we activate the healer within? How do we activate the extraordinary inner power, the medicine that is inside us? And today we're talking about befriending your brilliant body mind. What is the body mind? The body mind, as far as I know, was first used that word by Ken Dykewald. And he wrote that he used it because our culture doesn't have a good word in our language. We don't have a good um, way to express the unity of the body and the mind. We talk about the body and the mind as if they're separate, which is one of the main problems that we have. And, and so he said, when he refers, uses the term body mind, he's referring to the physical and psychological aspects of the individual. And that's how I use it too, but maybe even bigger. <laughs> so we could say body, mind, soul. It's the whole experience that we have of living in a body. So not only every illness, not only every um, happy, positive healing experience, but every experience that we have while we're alive in a body is a body, mind experience, including spiritual so we could call it body, mind, soul, spirit, but it gets a little unwieldy. So we think of the body, mind, the body, mind. We know there is intelligence that you can activate within your feet and within your bone marrow. You're always getting signals from different parts of your body. There are nerve endings in the bone marrow. <laughs> they actually can get feedback um, symbol systems or um, symbols, um, feedback loops from every single part of the body. One of my teachers, um, Jean Houston said, we used to think of the brain as being encased in the head. And now we know that the brain is more like an octopus that has tentacles everywhere in the body. So we could talk about the brain on the bottom of the feet, the brain in the belly. People do talk about the gut brain now. And so we know that the intelligence of the body is not limited to the head, it's everywhere. So I like to think of body-mind as the consciousness, the awareness that is psychological, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's our whole experience of being alive in the body. And it's in that integrated experience that we find healing. Um, we've talked a lot about the quote by Roger Jenke about body, mind, and spirit cooperate to produce the most profound medicine ever known in the human race. And that is what happens when we're thinking of the body-mind. It's that cooperation of body, mind, and spirit. So 
this has started showing up for me um, fairly early. I, I noticed how it would come up. One interesting experience um, when I was teaching yoga, one of my very first yoga experiences um, or classes that I was teaching, um, a woman in the class afterwards came up to me with kind of big eyes and she said, we were in the middle of a pose and I don't know what it was. It was actually a pretty gentle pose. She said, all of a sudden I had a memory of being a little child and being with my mother. And it was the most blissful, amazing experience. And I hadn't had that memory. And it was very vivid what she was doing with her mother, where they were. And one thing that was quite remarkable for her was not only that she'd not remembered that memory, but that her mother had died when she was 10. And so to have a memory when she was very, very young of her mother being loving and holding her, I think they were outside, and, and realize that somehow doing the yoga released that memory from her body. So our memories live in our body, the good and the bad, the, the good and the not so positive. Our emotions live in our body. It's all connected. And so when we're working with any illness, as well as any healing state, it uh, combines the psychological, it combines the mental, the thinking, as well as the physical. And they're really intertwined, even though, um, as we mentioned a minute ago, Dykewald talked about how in our culture, there's no language for the unity of mind and body. We still can, by talking around it, find the ways to experience it. So what is it that gets in the way of the brilliant body-mind, the brilliant body-mind that can guide us toward healing and toward a vibrant, healthy, wonderful life. Many things get in the way. <laughs> like The main one, well, perhaps one of the main ones is that we think of it as separation. We think of the mind and the body. We talked a couple of sessions ago about how people will say, oh, that's just in your head, or thinking, oh, the doctors told me it was all in my head, or it's, is it psychosomatic? Whereas it's all connected. And when we're moving into healing, we need to remember to integrate all the parts into the body. A lot of work has been done with people thinking of how different illnesses, different pain can be sometimes caused or worsened by repressed emotion. Now, if you have repressed emotion, just join the human race. We all do. <laughs> and it can have its effect on the body. It can be stored in the body and caught there. And when it's released and moved through and we can experience it, then we can sometimes begin to relieve pain. Now, I do want to say none of this is really simplistic. I am not an advocate of they'll just think positively and nothing wrong will ever happen. Of course, we know that's not true. Bad things happen to amazing people. Earthquakes come, disasters come, illness comes. There is no guilt or shame in having difficult things happen in your life. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. However, the more connected you are with the brilliance of your body-mind, the more you'll be able to meet whatever challenges come, whether they're external, weather-related, earth-related, or whether they're in your own body coming up. So by being in the brilliance of your body-mind, you are able to meet whatever challenges do come and actually to grow with them. So separation, dominance of the mind over the body, even on a lot of holistic circles, um, we hear people say the mind is stronger than the body, you can overcome, you can 
train your body or you can overpower your body to do what you want it to do. That is definitely not the teaching that I bring. <laughs> More, my, How do we find that cooperation? How do we find that allyship that allows us to communicate between the different parts of our being, our brain, our body, our mind, our heart, our soul, and to have a collaborative approach rather than a dominating approach? And also, um, we have in our culture more um, appreciation often of outer authority versus inner authority. So we might think that it's a doctor who should tell us what is wrong or tell us everything we should do. And definitely, they have their area of expertise, and I work with them and love to learn from them. And we must never, ever override the authority within, the knowing within. We call the body knowing the soma. The soma is the inner living body that only you can experience. You won't find it in an anatomy book or an anatomy class. You won't find it from the greatest medical expert. There is a wisdom inside your body that only you can experience. And bringing that to whatever relationship you have with a doctor or an external authority as a partnership. So that sense of the outer authority being more important often makes us not even remember that we have that brilliance inside. Busyness, who isn't busy, right? We all get busy in our lives. And I was just talking with someone right before the class started about how just getting into the busyness of life and getting things done, we forget to pause and listen. And in doing that, we override the brilliance of the body. So we often go into battle mode. You know, we often think, okay, I'm going to overcome this illness or overcome this symptom or overcome this fatigue. And we go into battle mode. That's not a way that we can learn from and work with our body, mind, brilliance, tension. Uh, we'll talk a little more later about releasing tension. But when we have tension in the body and we're in that real stress mode, we're not even feeling, we're not even aware. Sometimes we have a sense we're living outside our body. And sometimes that's a survival technique that works okay for a little while. If you're in a real a situation where you're in total survival mode, you've got to get some things done, and you're not paying attention to what's going on in your body for short term, that's okay, but it's disastrous long term. Guilt and shame are another thing that keep us out of our um, brilliance of the body-mind. Sometimes there is cultural guilt or religious guilt about even having a body or feeling what's going on in the body. And sometimes there's guilt or shame that comes from kind of a, a new age or an alternative medicine way, like you, you created this illness. What did you do? What were you thinking that you created this illness? That can come from a religious or a spiritual perspective. And I say it's BS. You know, that's not helpful. <laughs> it's not helpful and it adds layers that make it very difficult for us to fully embrace the brilliance, the wisdom, the intelligence that's within. Perhaps the biggest thing is just not even knowing or appreciating that we have this brilliance inside. We're born with this body-mind brilliance, this body that is continually communicating with you, giving you signals of what he or she needs continually. And yet, we're not taught as children, we're not taught as adults anywhere along how to be tuned in, how to listen to, how to refine that particular intelligence. And in fact, 
we're usually taught the opposite. We're usually taught to ignore, to override, to overcome, to suppress the um, signals that come from the body. And again, some of that is we have the mindset that we need to do that so we can get everything done. It's like people will say, well, if I listen to my body all the time, oh my gosh, I would just lie around all the time. I wouldn't do anything. And again, short term, being able to get in that survival mode, get things done can be efficient, but you will never be able to grow into your full brilliance, your full genius, your fullness as a human being, your most vibrant joyful, full living without being connected to the brilliance of your body-mind, because it will guide you not only through illness, but it will guide you toward the vibrancy and even the deepest meaning in your life. Often when we hear from our bodies, our response is, shut up. <laughs> Think of like, if you have times where your, um, your body will say, I'm hungry. And you're like, no, you're not. You just ate, you know, or I'm hungry. No, you're not. You're five pounds overweight, or you need to lose 20 pounds. You're not hungry. Don't be hungry. Or bodies will say, I'm tired. And you're like, get with it. Have some coffee, get going. <laughs> so we're often telling our bodies to shut up rather than listening. So noticing all those different ways that are so culturally ingrained and that many of us have used just to get things done in our lives. And because maybe we didn't have full access to a way to deeply connect with the body. Most of us were not taught as children to trust it. So let's think then about how the body talks to us. There are many, many ways, um, but we're going to talk especially today about just a few ways. Um, one is sensation. We often like, how is your body feeling? And, we, and interestingly, we use the word feelings, both for emotion and for body sensing. And they're often very closely related. How's your body feeling? People will say, well, I feel anxious. I feel tense, you know, or, and how is that? What is that actual sensation? Well, Huh, it's a fluttering in my chest. It's a tightness in my chest. So your body speaks through sensation. And we often don't hear that because we're tense. A wonderful Andrea Olson, who wrote a book called Body Stories, wrote tension masks sensation. And sensation is the language of your body. So what does, what does that mean? Sensation is the language of your body. And actually there are other languages of your body, but mostly today we're gonna to talk about sensation. And the sensation most of us think of the most with um, our body talking to us is pain. In fact, someone I like very much, Pete, um, it, I miss up his name, Egoscu, pardon me if I'm not saying it right, has written some wonderful books of, about using movement to relieve the body from pain. And he wrote, pain is the body's voice. Listen to your body. And I agree with him. Pain is a voice of the body, but it's not the only voice of your body. And one of the things that actually traps us is by only listening to pain and not listening to pleasure. So we have pain pathways in the body and those pain pathways say, oh, too much, no, stop, you know, help. <laughs> Often are saying help. And we also have pleasure pathways in the body. Now, I can't even begin to get into um, even a very detailed experience 
talk about pain today, except to say pain is very complicated. You know, there's the simple pain, you hit your hand on something or you get, it's, you know, it's a direct message out, like, okay, I need to do something there. Pain for many of us, I myself also, who have had experiences of chronic pain, long-term pain, um, and uh, I think over 30% of all Americans do experience some kind of chronic pain. Um, pain gets more complicated. It gets more difficult. Um, it's not quite as straightforward, but it's always the body asking for attention, asking for something. And again, I want to say it's not, we can't be really simplistic when we're talking about how we, how the body communicates with us. If it were a book, it wouldn't be like a manual with seven directions and this, you always do this and it always will work. <laughs> you know, It's not quite that straightforward. I would say the way the body speaks to us is more like a poem and we're experiencing it and we need to be curious about it. Um, so as, as we do this, I'm going to back up just a little bit to the, the main premise, which is befriend your beautiful, brilliant body. And I just added beautiful, but befriend your brilliant body. Years ago, when I was teaching a yoga class, one day, I just wrote on a piece of paper to everyone. I had at the top just one sentence for them to take home and play with. And it was, what if today you began to treat your body like a dear beloved friend? What if today, thinking of that yourself, what if today you begin to treat your body as a dear beloved friend? So as we're talking about all of these parts, the ways the body communicates with us, imagine that you're doing it from that loving, kind, respectful way that you would treat a dear beloved friend. So knowing that pain is complicated and that the body speaks to you not in like, here's a five or six stage direction um, formula that you can follow that will always work, but being curious and being interested as you would with a dear friend, as you would with a masterpiece painting or a beautiful poem, you would be willing to take time to understand it. So your body speaks to you in sensations and we can think of those in several levels. The first is most obvious. Um, we often don't notice the body till it's symptoms. There's a symptom, I've got a headache or I have, uh, my shoulder is all cramped up. You know, that's, that's a symptom. If you're thinking of like, oh, you know, I have a migraine, that is a symptom. And so often we don't notice before we get to symptoms, but if we can begin to notice earlier, there's something people refer to as a sub-symptom. Well, it's not a migraine, but it's like, if you've ever had migraines or shoulder pain or recurring back pain, if you notice what is the earliest, earliest sign that I'm about, that you're about to get the back pain or the migraine, and almost always, if you can begin noticing the subtle symptom, sub-symptom before it actually becomes a symptom, then you can begin treating it more easily. So what happens though, is that we tend to ignore that and we're taught to ignore it. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah, my eyes were starting to burn and I was getting this tightness in my neck and my shoulder, but I had a lot to do, so I just kept going. And then it becomes a full-blown symptom that may be even debilitating and may make you stop. So one of the really great things to do is begin noticing this more, the more subtle you can. And you may start, you may start not noticing till it's a symptom. And then like, huh, if I think back, 
what was the very earliest thing I noticed? Oh yeah, this is what it was. And then you can even sometimes go back a little before that and get what we call a signal. Now, signal is very, very subtle. It's before there's even tightness here, but there may be sort of a, a little feeling of like your body wants to move, something that wants to happen. So if we wait till we get to symptoms, we still can do play with it and be with it, but it's more challenging. So begin noticing the earliest. There's a symptom, there's a sub-symptom, <laughs> and there's a signal. Now, in some cultures, people teach their children to notice the sub-signals and take care of themselves before they really get sick. In our culture, not so true, not so often. So as you're working with this, notice you can begin training yourself. You can become your own culture <laughs> and, and help other people to not so much trying to teach them how to do it, but support them. If someone just says, I don't know, I just feel a little off and think I'm going to go take a little rest or I'm not going to go to that party. It's like, oh, okay, great. Good listening in a subtle way. So again, when we're thinking of befriending, befriending your body, we're really talking about partnering with your brilliant body mind. And what do you want from friends? From your friends, I'm sure you want them to listen to you and to be respectful and to be kind and be humorous and be interested in you. And that's what you want to give to them too. You want to be kind. So that thing of like, hmm, what if I treated my body as a dear beloved friend? What if I treat my body mind, the whole being of my experience as a dear beloved friend? You would talk respectfully. I'm sure you talk respectfully to your friends. Your body mind is always listening. It's listening to your thoughts. It's listening to the words you say about it. It's listening to what it says you say you don't want. It's listening to what you say you do want. Your body is always listening. And as soon as you have a thought, and especially as soon as you express something out loud, it goes, there are little chemical messengers that go to every part of your body. Your body is listening intently. So noticing how you're speaking to and about your body. Say you have a sore shoulder and you like one of my clients noticed he was doing this and began shifting it. He would always say, oh, this bad shoulder. And then we talked about it. I said, well, is your shoulder really bad? Well, tell me what it's done for you. He goes, oh my gosh, well, this shoulder. And he started telling me all the adventures he'd had in his life and how strong his shoulder had been and how much he'd been able to rely on his shoulder. And he's like, oh, it's not a bad shoulder. It's a really good shoulder. Thank you, good shoulder. And he started thinking about it differently. And it began softening a layer of the pain that he had. So it's a great beginning. Notice when you, if you use derogatory or mean or critical um, terms about your body or to your body, your body's listening. It's like a curse that you're giving yourself. So notice that. So listen. How do we listen to the body? You know, I, I hear people say that a lot. And they often say it kind of glibly. Oh, well, just listen to your body. It's not necessarily that easy, is it? You know, and of course, if it is for you, that's great. But this is a listening that requires, first of all, we slow down a bit and we pause. It doesn't mean we have to stop doing everything. But maybe when you wake up in the morning and when you're going to bed at night and you ask yourself, hmm, what do you need? What would feel good today? Hey, sweet body mind. Hey, sweet friend, my body. What would feel good to you today? What would you like to do? 
And it doesn't mean you have to do that all day long, but if you can begin tuning into that, it will give you insights that will make your whole life and your day much better, and you'll feel better. So I often think of listening to your body as listening to a little child who doesn't have a lot of words and is kind of grumpy. And if you had a little child that you cared about or, or you know, that you could just imagine this child's kind of upset, you wouldn't say, oh, shut up. And you wouldn't say, okay, get over it, you know, and hopefully you wouldn't say, here, put some candy in your mouth, you know, <laughs> you, know you would, you would as a loving adult, and, and maybe you can, if you're closer to an animal or to an adult friend, you could think of this, but as a child, you would maybe open up your lap and let them sit there, and you wouldn't try to talk them out of it, you wouldn't say, oh, don't feel this way, oh, you're fine. If you want to be successful anyway, you wouldn't do that. If you were a loving adult with a child and you were wanting to listen and they're upset, you would just maybe rock them. I notice I start rocking just when I talk about it. And you would hold them in your lap and you would like, listen, and you'd say, tell me, tell me about it. Mm -hmm. And you would probably stroke them a little. And almost always with little kids, they'll be like, oh, I feel better. It doesn't take very long. But that same sort of spaciousness, now it may take a little longer with your body because you've probably spent a lot of years at times, like I have and most people have, ignoring your body and making it shut up. So you create that same sort of broad open lap space, that spaciousness for your body. And you just breathe with it and you say, ah, oh, tell me what's going on. So just that, uh, many times in my client sessions, we'll just have people tune into a part of their body. In fact, we could just try that right now. And it's a little artificial because we're in, you know, in this odd setting, but just be with yourself right where you are. And notice if there's any part of your body that would like your attention right now, any part of your physical, emotional body experience, maybe a knee, maybe a belly, maybe your heart, and just allow your attention to be drawn to that part. And just take a few nice, easy, soft, kind breaths. And you're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to make it shut up. You're not trying to demand an answer. You just breathe in and through and notice. And you can close your eyes and just feel. Hmm, what do you notice? What are the sensations? Maybe a big sensation a symptom, or maybe a very subtle, what do you notice? Maybe there's even a color. Maybe there's a word or a sound. Maybe just a feeling. And maybe, maybe you do as you kind of rock a little. You just put your hand there if that's comfortable. And just feel that part of your body breathing. And you notice, hmm. And then asking it, what would you like me to know? Hmm, oh, sweet body, what would you like me to know? Without demanding, but just notice maybe something comes up. And if it doesn't, that's okay. I encourage you to keep noticing. Maybe take a few moments later, or even as you go through your day, you can ask that question. Hmm, sweet body, what would you like me to know? Another question is, Hmm, hey, my friend, my body, mind. What would feel good to you right now? What do you need? And you just let the question be there without demanding, without requiring. 
without forcing or trying to fix or change. And you notice hmm, what comes up now or during the day. Hmm, noticing. And then whatever right now came up or didn't come up. Thank you, body. Thank you. Thank you, body, for doing so much for me, even in the times when I've not been very nice to you. Even in the times when I've abused you by rushing too much or making you work when you were tired or not listening or ignoring you. Thank you for all that you've done throughout my life. Thank you. So in that listening process, asking, we just talked about that, asking those questions. And if you ask it in a time when you're nice and relaxed, you'll probably get more um, of an answer. But even, you know, wherever you are, you can just pause and tune in Listen to your whole body or to a part that's wanting your attention and ask, what do you need right now? What would feel good? Very powerful. Asking in that really open way, not demanding. Part of what we just did right then was also a really important piece. We took a moment to let tension fall away. Tension masks sensation, and sensation is the language of your body. When you're very tense, your body isn't speaking to you. You're not, no, well, it is speaking to you, but you're not hearing it. It's like we've blocked it off. And so I know some of us, right before we started, we're talking about pain and how pain can be so bad that sometimes we want to just block it off. But amazingly, when you can deeply relax and you can let go of tension, the pain almost always begins to soften as well. So ignoring it and pushing down and walking over it doesn't work as a long-term solution, but you can unwind pain when you can remember to release tension. And if you haven't already gotten it, be sure to go to www.30secondcalm.com, 30secondcalm, C-A-L-M, and get my short video that shows you a really great way to drop tension, drop into that deep, calm power place inside where healing happens and where you can listen to the wisdom of your body-mind. So as you're beginning to notice this and you notice throughout the day, what are the signals that come up? And you get curious, what are the signals, the sub-symptoms that come up in your body? You get curious, what would make me feel a little better? What would what makes me feel worse? And you kind of notice that. Mm. For many people, we'll talk about this more next week, going outside, being in nature makes people feel a lot better. Um, for when we're tense, we tend to feel worse. You know, what kinds of foods help you feel better? What kind of foods help you feel worse? So just beginning to notice what happens, what, what effect, what you do, what you think about, what, what difference that makes. And it's kind of like with kids, you know, we used to play the hot and cold game, like somebody would hide something and you're like, you're getting closer, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you're getting away from it, you're getting colder, you're getting colder. So your body sensing system, your body mind brilliance works that way too. It's like, oh, I'm feeling better. I'm getting warmer. I'm getting closer. Oh, I'm feeling worse. I'm getting colder. You know, not literally colder in this way, but what, what helps you know that you're getting closer into that healing state towards something that your body mind loves. So we, we talked a little earlier about pleasure and that pleasure is um, one way your body really speaks to you. What does your body love? What does your body really enjoy doing? What feels great to your body? 
Um, and, you know, whatever that is, um, notice that and spend more time with that. And as you're doing also, turn up your pleasure dial. I know many people that I work with, and this is such a common thing in our culture, we find that it's almost we feel guilty for having pleasure. We feel like it doesn't really have any value. But like, like one of my clients once was saying, well, she really loved sitting with her cat and just petting her cat, a cat on her lap and petting that. But she realized she didn't let herself sink fully into the pleasure of it. It's, and the more you can allow your pleasure body to open, the more you can allow that healing energy to move through your body. Even if you have pain, I was yesterday having a bodywork session and the therapist and I were talking about how when one part of the body is hurting, a really effective thing can be to remember to open to a part that's feeling really good. <laughs> At that point, like my left chest felt really wonderful, even though my hip was hurting. And um, it's easy to get so focused on the part that's hurting, that even if it's only like 10 or 5 or 20% of your body, we forget about all the part that can feel good. And if we can open to that part and allow ourselves to feel the pleasure of the part of the body that does feel good, then that releases, literally releases healing energy through your body. Another amazing way that's super simple, that's super um, neglected in our culture to respond to your brilliant body-mind is to rest when your body needs to rest. I can't tell you the number of times I've had clients or friends say to me, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so tired. You've probably had people say that to you too. And I bet you, like I can, can always look at, well, I can see why you're tired. You just like went through this huge change at work and you were having to stay up late and it was very emotional and it was draining. Of course you're tired, you know, but we tend to get upset with ourselves when we're tired and feel like resting, just deep, deep resting is almost forbidden. It can feel like it's a really kind of like negative thing or like you're being lazy. So notice when your body needs to rest. I have a daughter who is, or not daughter, but a granddaughter who's about to turn two. And several months ago, especially around the time she was 18, 20 months old, she would take all day long these little mini rests. So she's really active and she's running around doing stuff. And all of a sudden, she'd put her thumb in her mouth, lie down on the pillow, and just like really deeply rest. Sometimes she'd ask us to rest with her. You know, and she would just go go into this just really, really relaxed state for three or four minutes, and then she'd bounce right back. So she was noticing her body's signal that she needed to rest. And you could see how rejuvenated she was after even a few minutes. We resist it because it's scary to us, I think. Um, it sort of feels like the tide is going out where we are, it's hard to trust when we're losing our energy. We'll talk about that more next week too, with finding our natural rhythms. But rest and replenishment are so important for the healing of your body. And your, when your body says rest, instead of saying, oh, another cup of coffee, let's keep going. Notice what happens if you tune in and you say, hmm, what kind of rest would feel best right now? And notice maybe it's sitting outside. Maybe it's going to be a 15-minute nap and respond to that. Just trying that for a few days. I bet you'll begin to notice um, some value and some healing coming in. So as we're going through this, we've talked about a lot of different things. 
and I hope that you'll bring some of them into play. And I'm also betting that you have thought of some things that I didn't say, and I'd love to hear about those from you. And I would like to leave you with a quote by Wayne Dyer. And as you're hearing this, take it in. Take it in to your whole body-mind. Take it in fully. You've been provided with a perfect body to house your soul for a few brief moments in eternity. So regardless of your body's size, shape, color, or any imagined infirmities, you can honor the temple that houses you by eating healthfully, exercising, listening to your body's needs, and treating your body with dignity and love. What if you begin today to befriend your body? And what if you begin treating your body as a dear beloved friend? How would you eat? How would you move? How would you exercise? What difference would it make in your life? Thanks so very much for being here. It's wonderful to have you. And I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you again next week. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, dear listener, for joining us on the Soul Big Life Show. If you liked this episode, please take a minute to subscribe and give it a great review wherever you get your podcasts. For more resources, inspiration, and cool gifts to help you create a life that delights your soul, go to soulbiglife.com. That's www.soulbiglife.com. See you next time.